Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Valentine's Day's on the way. So if you haven't made reservations yet, do some reservations. Get get it done. Time to get the reservations done. I'm telling you that because I always forget until the day of, and then I'm calling around. Get your reservations made now. Valentine's Day is on the way, and maybe for you, you're thinking, uh, you know, this is this is a special day. I just I just hope somebody would just pop the question on Valentine's Day. You know, just anybody. Just if anybody would just pop. Like, I'll be in a coffee shop somewhere in the drive-thru. Just pop the question. I don't know. It doesn't matter who it is. Or maybe for you, um, Valentine's Day is just a special time to be with the one you love. Or maybe for you, you are, um, you are post-relationship. And Valentine's Day is a difficult time for you. Maybe for you, you would like to, uh, to re-engage in, in the relationship scene and or maybe for you, you're just wondering, like, how in the world do relationships even work? Well, I just want to encourage you and tell you that uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about relationships, and we're going to be digging into what God has to say about your relationships. Uh, my wife and I, we've, we've, been, we've been doing Valentine's Day for 19 years. That first one, she was with somebody else, but I won. I was there. I just she just wasn't there with me, and uh, I made sure that uh, that I won because uh, because I thought she was amazing, and um, and I thought she was the most perfect compatible person for me. I thought like she was the the, the yin to my yang. Like I thought she was I thought she was like the person that would complete me. Pastor Tim Keller says it like this. He says that um, there, if, if you're waiting for that perfect person out there, understand that no one in the world is compatible with you. <laughs> Just some are less compatible than others. Like, it, it doesn't matter who it is, they're going to have issues. And that's what I've discovered with my wife, is we have irreconcilable differences. Like, like we, just have, we just have like this complete we are different individuals. The other day I was, you know, we were in the car and we were driving and as I was pulling up to a stop sign, my wife's like, oh no! And I'm thinking there's like a car accident, there's some naked person running around with a gun, like something crazy is going on. I'm like, what's wrong? What's, what's wrong? What's, I'm just about getting an accident. And she's like, I forgot my foundation. Because she does her makeup in the car. I'm like, I'm like, what do you need? You don't need foundation. Just go without the foundation. She's like, it's called foundation for a reason. <laughs> like, it's the foundation for every. Like, my entire day is founded on this. Like, what, what goes on? We are completely different individuals. She likes spicy food. Spicy food hates me. 
We are different people. And sometimes it feels like, at least in our relationship, probably not in yours, but in ours, sometimes it feels like staying in love is the fight of your life. Sometimes, not for you, you guys are all mature in your relationships, but for us, sometimes it feels like staying in love is a difficult task to stay in love. It feels like the fight of our life. And I think to kick off this collection of messages on relationships, I just want to address this question. Why is there so much conflict in our relationships. I mean, think about it. The God of the universe, as he's creating the world, as he's, he's speaking purpose into everything, he's saying, this is good, this is, this is good, this is good, this is good. And he sees this man alone, he's like, that's not good. Then the Bible uses this word for sleep that, that comes upon him. It's a, the same sort of deep sleep that would be used to describe a depressed sleep. So Adam gets depressed and falls asleep. And when he wakes up, Eve's there and God says, this is good. And yet, it is very difficult when two people come together, whether you're married, whether you're engaged to somebody, maybe you're just dating somebody, or maybe you just haven't found the right one yet. It is so hard to find a person because of conflict in the relationships. And, and maybe for you, when, when I say conflict in a relationship, you just, you're already checked out. You're like, oh, I don't have any conflict in my relationships. Like, we're good. Like, we have a really smooth, we never argue, we never fight, we're amazing. That may be, but can I submit to you that you probably, it's probably not that you never have conflict, it's probably that you have a lot of unresolved conflict. And you have thought for years that sweeping things under the rug has been a healthy way to deal with differences, and you, if you were to really examine your life, you would say there's a bomb in the basement of your house. Like, like just a couple inches under the floor, there's a bomb because we never have conflict, but it's sitting right there. And if anybody steps on that thing, if anybody brings up that one subject, it's like a mushroom cloud in the neighborhood. <laughs> or maybe for you, you're like, oh, I'm totally good with relationships. Like, like relation, healthy, healthy conflict is good. Like, I like healthy conflict. We fight hard. We play hard. Like, all right. That's cool. Like, th there's some truth to that. That's good. But, but if you're honest with yourself, I, I would say that you would probably find that in your attempt to have healthy conflict, that if you were really honest, you'd say that there's a lot of times once you get into it, there's these, these underhanded jabs the entire time. It, I mean, it's just like, it's like unfair comments. The whole, oh, it's healthy. We love, we play hard, we fight hard. But we just don't fight fair. Or maybe for you, when you figured out that the preacher's going to preach about conflict, you're just exhausted to even think about it because you're so tired of all the conflict. You tried to avoid it. You tried to ignore it. You tried to deal with it. You tried to engage it in a healthy way, and nothing seems to get better. 
In fact, anytime it does seem to get better, just give it a week and it's bad again. You're like, what's the point? Like, there's nothing this preacher's going to tell me that's going to change anything in my life. And can I say, there's probably not any wisdom that I could give you. But I do believe that in the scripture there are some things that address what we're talking about today. In the Bible, in the book of James, James was a, was a New Testament writer. And he wrote a book called James. He didn't name the book James. The early church called the book James because he wrote it. James is a very practical book. And in this book, in the fourth chapter, he asks us this same question. He says this, what causes the arguments and the fights among you? I love that James, he asked that question. He's not like, like uh, uh, do there be any fights among thee? Like, dost thou have any arguments or disputes among you? No, he, he doesn't like, he's not asking like if you have fights. He's saying, you guys are fighting a lot, why? He was in your house. Why are you fighting a lot? Why are there arguments. And it doesn't make sense, especially for two people that were once in love. Like, like, like they were just, they were head over heels for each other. But you give it a few years. You just take, take off the blinders for a minute. And suddenly, who you were once head over heels with, like you're ready to push them off a cliff. Like, oh, he takes my breath away. He's so amazing. Give it five years. He sucks the life out of me. She is such a carefree spirit. I love her. She's a man. Give it just a little bit of time. You're going to be like, she is so irresponsible. <laughs> so, so why is it that we fall in love with someone and then, and then we, end up, we end up in conflict with them constantly? And, and I think uh, Apostle James, like, that's a great question. Thanks for asking it. If I knew the answer to what causes the conflict in my relationships, I wouldn't have any conflict in my relationships. This, this uh, next week is Super Bowl. You guys excited? I, I got like, I know of like one Chiefs fan in the entire house. Anybody else like Chiefs gone? I got a handful. I got a handful of people. Uh, anybody for the Eagles? Like you're ready for Let's go. How many of you don't care? You just like Doritos. Let's go. If it's not the Seahawks, it ain't anybody. Amen. But, but this is like, this is a uniquely American holiday. Like it doesn't get more American than the Super Bowl. Like it, it is an American event. Next Sunday, uh, millions of people are going to stop everything they're doing. They're, gonna, they're going to pretend like they can't make it to church next week just so they can get ready for the stuffed jalapeno poppers with the chicken in it. It's going to be <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's an American holiday. Like, like seven out of ten people, or uh, sorry, one out of seven people in America will order out food next Sunday. That's a good day to be in the takeout business. One and a quarter billion chicken wings are going to be devoured next weekend. We are sacrificing 600 million chickens 
for this holiday. 325 and a half million gallons of beer is going to be drank next week. Rihanna is going to do a, a show in the middle of it that at some point there will be a costume or clothing that I will have to preach about the following weekend. It's America, people. Two rivals battling it out. The, the great conflict of the American dream, battling it out on the big stage. And we're just going to love it as heads clash and as whistles are blown and as people scream and popcorn flies, just battling it out, battling it out. And this is marriage. I mean, this is the Super Bowl. This is, this is Super Bowl. This is marriage. This is, this is marriage. Two heads battling it out. <laughs> Don't amen too loud, sister. So my, my question is, what causes the conflict? That's actually James's question. What, why does it seem that every time you find the love of your life, give it a few months and you don't get along with them? Why? Well, that, that's pretty easy, Pastor. It's her. <laughs> She's the problem. He's the pro It's them. They, they are the problem. It's the person that I'm dating. You would just not believe how shallow they are. That's the real problem is that they're just not, they're so immature. It's them. Like it's the person I'm married to. They, they, just, they just can't get things right. That, they're the, the real problem in our, our relationship. Pastor, it was my, if you had ever met my ex, you would know. What the real problem? It was, it was the, the X. That's, that's what it was. And so now that we know what the source of your problem was, we're going to pray and dismiss. <laughs> or maybe for you, you'd say it wasn't them so much as it was just the season. It was the circumstance that we found ourselves in. It, it was the, the seasons of life that just became, it was the things around us. It was... The, the real problem, the source of our arguments was just, it was money. Like if, if we just, if we had more money, it would fix everything. It was the kids. <laughs> we became parents and it changed everything. I mean, I, I for one can tell you, I did not realize I had an anger problem until I had three children. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, I was never like this. And she's like, oh yes, you were. It was my in-laws. It was, it was them. They are the source of all the... Con it was just... Can I give you some marriage advice? If it's your in-laws, move to a different continent. It's the blended family we have. That's, that's the source of our conflict. It's not so much people arguing. It's just complicated. It's confusing. And it's difficult. So what is the source of the conflict? James asks. Is it the circumstances? Is it the people? It could be. They, they probably contribute to it. But, but I would suggest to you that there's something deeper at play that is the source of the conflicts you keep finding in your relationships. More than the people, more than the circumstances. And, and I recognize that I'm in a room full of people some of whom are believers in Jesus and some of whom are just kicking the tires or you're just here for free coffee. And so if, if you would find yourself not as a, like you're not a believer in the room, this is going to be a hard statement for you. 
But James tells us where the conflict comes from. He says, don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Well, of course, James, she's evil. Her license plate is EV1L, evil. Like, (laughs) James, like if you're saying my kids are possessed, I agree. Like, that's, it's evil, incarnate. She's three, like that's, I'm hearing you, James. I think we're getting on the same page. it's, it's his parents. His parents fit the criteria for evil. Like, they, they fit the test. They're evil. It's all the Californians flooding our roads. I can... <laughs> you guys didn't laugh because you didn't realize everybody else is also Californian. Like, <laughs> it's the people. They're just evil. That's, that's the real problem. I mean, it's a pretty hard statement that James makes here. He says, the real conflict you're experiencing, it's not, it's not them. It's the evil inside of you. That's a strong thing to say. Because, like, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm not evil. Like, like I know I have my own issues, but, but I'm working on them, and, and I'm not evil. And can I say that all of those problems, all of those sources of the problem may be true, but according to the book of James, the, the cause of the problems that you're experiencing is something that was already resident inside of you before you ever met them. Like before you ever had that first hand that's held, before you ever went to a movie with her, before there was ever an argument, before there was ever disrespect, before you moved to Idaho, before you got laid off at work, before the trash didn't get taken out, before the disagreement, before the nagging wouldn't stop, before the dishes that didn't get done, before the text that you found. There was already something at work in you that leverages every one of those moments for more conflict. There there was already something in you that sets you up in advance to react, to retaliate, and to resent. So what is is the cause of of all this pain? What, What is it? It's that there's already something in us that gives us a propensity to respond the way we do. Not me, preacher. I am a true believer. I'm sanctified, filled with the Spirit, got holiness in my life. I've got the joy of the Lord down in my soul. I am so holy that every morning I do my devotional, and then I set my, my Bible next to a coffee, I take a picture and post it to Instagram. That's how spiritual I am. Like, if Jesus were here, he'd be like, twinning. <laughs> but isn't it true that it doesn't matter how much you think that is true, give it 23 and a half minutes into your day and you've lost your mind. Because the reality is, is that there's something inside of us. It's not them. It's not the circumstances. There's something inside of us that creates conflict. James goes on. He says this. 
You want what you don't have. Could it be that the source of the conflict we experience is that we want what we don't have? Well, what is it that we want? We want good things. We want respect. We want love. We want affirmation. We want peace. We want happiness. We want space. We want intimacy, we want security, we want understanding, we want affection, we want consideration. The problem is we want those things and we expect those things from another person who can't truly give you any of those things. They can try, but not at the level that you desire. And what happens is, is when we don't get those things, when we don't get what we're looking for, we begin to fight for the things that we think we deserve. And so we say we're fighting for what's right, but the truth is we're actually fighting for what's right for me. And eventually, this leads us to James's next point. He says... So you scheme and kill to get it. You scheme and you kill to get what you cannot have. What you don't have. Does anybody remember their first pet? Anybody have a pet when you are growing up? What was your first pet? Just shout it out. Did I hear a roach? Did I hear, what did I hear? A what? A goat. Bad ears. Okay. <clears throat> I was like, that's not a pet. <laughs> Had those too, not a pet. Okay. So <clears throat> anybody else? What, anybody else first pet? Like, what, what did you have, honey? You had a fishy? Okay. Anybody else? What do you have? A dog. A horse. That, that's fancy pet. Anybody? Anybody else? You said raccoon is a pet? Okay. My first pet was a little different. My, my first pet was a pet peeve. Zing, gotcha. Like at first it wasn't a pet. At, at first it was like just a random peeve on the side of the road. But I was like, oh, come here. Come here, peeve. Come on, come on. Good boy, good boy, good boy. Hop in the truck. I brought this peeve home with me. And I don't know when it began. I don't know when it started. But at some point, I just had this peeve. And, and I, I just started like feeding it. and made a little box for it. And gave it water and food. And, and just like it was my pet peeve. And, like, I don't remember when it was that, that I really began to get super frustrated about socks on the floor or super angry that dishes weren't in the dishwasher or in the sink. They were on the counter. But it's at some point, this peeve just grew. And it didn't just grow. It multiplied. They're like bunnies. Peeves just, they grow and they multiply. And when I got married, I brought a swarm of peeves into my relationship. A whole swarm. And peeves are, are really just my preferences. They're just the things that I would prefer, but if you cross them, if you break them, 
you're gonna pay. It's just a peeve, but ultimately, it drives you nuts. And the Bible says that you will scheme and kill to get it. I don't scheme, Pastor. I'm not sneaky, and I'm not a schemer. Like, that's a terrible thing to say. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. What do you mean I scheme? Well, have you ever just waited for him to get home from work so that you can just let him know all, like, exactly what's going, like, you know what I mean? Like, you're waiting for the exact moment to let him know, and then when he's running late, you're like, oh, and this is another thing. <laughs> That's scheming. When, when, you, when you write a text with, like, the optimal amount of sarcasm so that you can deny that it was sarcasm, and you'd be like, oh, you're just being too sensitive. Scheming. When, when you're like, oh, oh, this is how it is, uh, you're going to be like, I'm just going to be up like a cold front. Like, you're not getting, any, I'm gonna, you're not getting any conversation. This house is going to be cold. Scheming. To get what you want. When you're like, oh, you know what I'll do? I will just be super cheerful and happy and like, oh, I would just heap coals upon his head. Like, we're just, like, oh, it's so good to see you. I made you apple pie. I'm just so happy to see you. Like, scheming. Scheming. And what will happen is if you continue down that road, you will eventually, according to Paul, he says it'll lead to killing. You'll, you'll kill your relationship by scheming. You will kill your joy by always fighting for what's yours. You will kill the whole relationship because you're chasing what you don't have. We all want what we don't have. James goes on. He says, you are jealous of what others have but you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. If, if I was honest, I, I'd tell you that there have been many seasons in my life where I have prioritized my ministry and work over my family. I'm not proud of it, but I was, in, I was raised in a home where my parents taught me to work hard. And, and I was raised with the mentality to win. I, I was raised with this desire to be successful. And so there's many times when I find myself completely unable to unplug from what's going on in here. And I'm constantly wanting to be productive. There's times, and I regret those times, when I've disappointed my kids so that I wouldn't disappoint one of you. And God's working on me in this area. But I find it so easy to, to, to lean into work and just not carve out time for myself and not carve out time for my family and not carve out time for my relationships just because I know Things gotta get done. Maybe I'm the only one, and this is just a confession moment. Anybody else ever feel like that? 
And, and what's so hard for me is my wife also works hard. My wife is just wired differently than me. My wife is very efficient. She will fix it now. She'll pull the Band-Aid off now. She's going to handle it now. And then she's going to have a lot of fun. She was talking about a women's night, and you know what she's most excited about? It's not that her friend is coming to speak. It's a dance party afterwards. She's super excited about a dance party. And I found myself, I, I look at her, and I'm like, like, why are you going to have fun with your friends? There's, like, there's things to do. What do you mean day off? Like, there's things to do. Like, if you would just follow me as I follow Christ, I could fix you. And there's this <laughs> scheming. There's this part of me that's just always frustrated because I'm like, you, you have fun when it's time to put your nose down. Like, you're supposed to grind, you're supposed to work. One day my wife came to me. She said, you know what your problem is? Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Never, never begin the conversation with the words, do you know what your problem is? Like, not the best, not a soft start anyway. Let's just, I'm like, no, what's my problem? She said, your problem is you're, you're jealous that I know how to have fun. And you're jealous of my friendships. And you haven't given yourself permission to unplug and enjoy life. I was jealous of her. And so I was scheming to prevent her from the very thing that I wanted. We want what we don't have. But he or she cannot give it to you. And we're convinced that they can give it to you. And, it, and if they can't give it to you, then they shouldn't have it either. She has joy and, and enjoys having fun, so she shouldn't have it either because I can't find the way to get there myself. This is why anyone who has experienced any level of success in life also has experienced critics. Because the moment you experience success, the people around you think, I want what you have, and because I don't have it, you shouldn't have it either. It's just the way we are. Can I propose to you that there is a way to stop this crazy cycle in our relationships? That there's a way to stop asking someone else to give you what you don't have. There's a way to have a healthy relationship. That's what this whole series is. It's, I, I don't believe in a quick fix like, oh, I just had a paradigm shift, I'm there. I believe for some of us, the answer is this. You need to get to a counselor. 
quick. Thus saith the Lord, get you a counselor. A good one. Not just someone with a degree. But I think for a lot of us, it will be very healthy this season to lean into growing, not just in our walk with God, but in our relationship with the people we're doing life with. It'll be healthy. Next week, I'm going to be speaking on the one thing that changes marriage. The one thing that, that the game changer. The following week, we're going to be talking about trust. And then the last week, we're going to talk about what it means to love someone else and to receive love. What does that actually look like? Because the problem is, we want what we don't have. And that other person can't give it to us. So it creates conflict, James is saying. It creates conflict. So what would be some next steps? Well, next step would be this. Would be to just make a decision to come back for the next three weeks. Oh, I see what you're doing, preacher. You're just trying to get people to come to church. Yes. For the next month, I'm asking you, I'm challenging you, take four hours this month, just four hours all month, to invest in your relationships. Could be the best thing you do all year. Lean in, have conversations about the messages, apply them. The next is this. If we're expecting one person to fulfill us and we're not getting fresh air from outside, we're not being filled from outside of that relationship, it becomes stagnant and painful quick. I want to challenge you to get in a group. The best thing you could do for your relationship is to have healthy relationships that support your relationship. People that can speak life into you when your spouse doesn't feel like speaking life into you. People that have been down the road, you're walking, that can say, if you just hold on, I know that there's light at the end of this tunnel. I'm telling you, one of the best things you can do is choose to live life with other people. The next thing I would challenge you to do is to serve other people. Preacher, I thought this was going to be about relationships. Yes. Remember, the problem with our relationships is we want what we don't have, and we scheme to get it. The reason the church has always believed in the idea of serving other people is it takes the focus off of us and it puts it completely on somebody else who cannot repay us. So whether it's homeless people under a bridge that you're feeding pizza to or it's kids you're teaching about Jesus or you're holding the door for somebody or you're, you're you know, putting sandals together, what, whatever it looks like, you're saying it's not about me, it's about making a difference for someone else. I'm going to give them something that they don't have but they want called dignity, love, and respect. If you want to serve here in this church, uh, we have a, an easy onboard to get involved, and that's Crash Course. It's after the first and second Sunday of every month, so it's, it's after this service. 
Um, a great way for you to get involved and find out what's going on and find a place to serve. Not because we need something to get done. But because we believe that while you are investing in someone else, while you are serving someone else without an expectation of return, we believe that God is able to work in the area of your motives. God is able to work in the deep areas of your heart when you are not demanding repayment. I would say one of the best ways to find growth in your walk with God is to serve other people. The band would come. I want to say this. Many and most of our, most of our conflicts, yeah, there are people that contribute to them. There are circumstances that add to the problems. But at the end of the day, we want what we don't have and we scheme to get it. And so we find ourselves subtly manipulating the very person we want to love the most so that we can get something. And can I just tell you that you will never find what you're looking for in them. You will find what you're looking for in the only one who can provide true assurance, hope, and transformation. James finishes this passage by saying this, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Well, I do ask God for it. I ask God to change her. Ultimately, that's not what you want. I do ask, I do ask, I ask, I ask that God would, would get him to see things my way. No, there's something deeper than that that you're actually looking for, and it will only come from God. Because we want what we don't have, and he or she cannot give it to you. Only God can. He is the source of everything you're looking for. He's the answer to the pain inside. He's the answer to the conflict you experience in every relationship. He's the one you'll find your love and your affirmation and your peace. It's through him you'll find happiness and space and intimacy and security. It's through him that you'll discover understanding and affection and consideration. So can I tell you today, that what you're looking for will never come from him or her. It will come from God. Would you stand with me across the room? So how do I get it? If it comes from God, how do I get it? We're going to turn towards him. We're going to lean in for the next month and say, God, would you change me? Would you transform me? Would you heal me? Because it's when we turn to him and we start fighting for our relationship and not fighting in our relationship. That's where he does his best work.
to say this. Would, if you want God to do a work in your relationships this season, I just want you to kind of lift your hands in sort of a receiving posture. If you're here with your spouse or maybe you're engaged to somebody, would you just put your arm around them and, and I just want to, I want to pray over you. Because I, I believe God, God does his best work in hearts that are surrendered to him. Lord, we've been looking for things that we don't have. But I pray that right now in this season, Lord, that your undergirding arms would support these relationships, especially the ones that are so fragile and frail right now. Lord, I pray that you'd give them the grace to make it through this season. Lord, that you give them the permission to forgive. Lord, that you give them the courage to repent. Lord, that we would not, we would not manipulate or scheme to get our own ways. We would look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, to build us up in that holy faith so that we can actually have healthy relationships that demonstrate your love to the world. God, I pray for those that are single in this moment, that they would not buy the lie that singleness is a curse. I pray that they would see it as Paul calls it, a gift. A gift for more of life. And Lord, I pray that during this season, Lord, that you would strengthen, that you would encourage, and you would build a strong foundation in the relationships of this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys and let's continue to love God, love people and change the world.